Christian. 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 Okay. Okay. Are you there? Okay. Okay. Okay, I'll call you back in a little bit. This season of Good is sponsored by Kessler Crane, manufacturers of innovative tools for filmmakers. Make sure to check out KesslerCrane.com. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E.com for more info. This season of Good is also sponsored by Musicbed. Musicbed has been changing the game when it comes to music licensing for filmmakers through curating the best indie music in the world. We personally use them all the time, so make sure you do too. For more info, check out musicbed.com. Now here's the show. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is Good. Guys, guys, guys. Christian is a dad. Make sure to text him or tweet him or something. Tell him congrats. Um, So he's not here this week. Um... But we did get to record this interview together, Um, but it's just me right now uh, recording the intro. But just want to say um, we love you, buddy, and um, you're going to be a great dad. And we're happy for you and Miranda and for little Oliver. And um, we're also excited for uh, this week. Me and Christian had a good time recording this episode with, uh, I don't know, maybe I'd be curious to hear what Christian would say. But I would say maybe... um, the biggest music video director working right now, uh, Grant Singer. If you're not familiar with his work, he's done music videos, a lot of them. Um, Let me see if I can go through the list here. Sky Ferreira, Sky Ferreira, Ariel Pink, um, Sleigh Bells, Travis Scott, The Weeknd, Vic Mensa, Skrillex, Ariana Grande, Future, Clams Casino, Fantagram, uh, Taylor Swift, and most recently, Lord. So he's got a lot of videos under his belt, and that's literally just a fraction of the videos that he's done. So so Grant hopped on with us, and we talked about um, how he got started and, uh, yeah, what it's like to be a premier music video director. So it was, uh, it was really fun to talk to him, and um, I think you guys will enjoy it. So uh, without further ado, our conversation with Grant Singer. Uh Grant, welcome, dude. Thank you. Where are you right now? I'm in L.A., where I live. What are you yeah. doing at this moment? I just got back from uh, playing tennis, which I started doing recently. I'm addicted to it now. Addicted it to it. Sounds like a very L.A. thing to do. <laughs> Is, do people not do that in New Orleans? Do they not play tennis? Heck no, man. Really? <laughs> just, uh, you know, <laughs> I can tell you one just, thing. Uh, Christian uh, doesn't play tennis. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I would not play tennis. <laughs> Only thing, it, it, if you do have one day, it's fucking awesome. And uh, I just started a few weeks ago, and it's, I'm addicted to it now. Okay, if you're selling someone on tennis, tell 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 them why it's so great. Well, first of all, I'm trying to be more active and uh, work out and stuff like that. And uh, for my birthday, I bought myself a I don't even know what you call it. It's not a treadmill. Uh, I think it's it's called an elliptical. And yeah. 
I've yeah. been looking at it for like six months and I can't get myself <laughs> to do anything with it. Yeah. And then um, a couple weeks ago or about a month or two ago, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, man, you want to play tennis? And I was like, fuck it. Why not? And ever since then, um, I've been playing. Okay, well, that's the key. You've got a, a tennis buddy. Yeah. Well, I, well, so, yeah, he and I play like on Saturdays and then my production designer uh, – I mentioned that I was playing. He's like, oh, we should go. And there are these abandoned courts near where we live. Um, nice. Or anything. We've just been, uh, they're kind of decrepit and like falling apart, but it doesn't matter. It's really fun. And now we go almost every day. So yeah. It's That's really nice. amazing. So have you always been like uh, an athlete? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not an athlete actually at all. But, you know, I, I played tennis when I was younger. My grandfather, who's no longer around, but he would... Uh, he would play ten. We'd play tennis together, and then when I was twelve, I, in fact, I went to this tennis camp. Like I was pretty good at it when I was young, and then when I was twelve, I showed up to tennis practice one day stoned. It was the first time I ever smoked pot. <laughs> and the, the instructor, um, I guess, knew or he 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 assumed or whatever, and he said, "If you ever come back here again, I'm going to tell your parents." And I quit. That was the last day. My parents were like, "Grant, why don't you want to play tennis anymore?" And I, and I and I was so terrified that he would tell them that I just quit and I never went back. And Did so you that choose was, pot over tennis? Is that what happened? I absolutely chose pot. Over tennis. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. I, I just I was so terrified of being you know busted or something. Yeah, so, right. A piece of shit instructor. I could have been Andre Agassi. Who knows? You could have been. Yeah, you could have been. Okay, so where did you grow up? I grew up in L.A. Yeah. Okay, so you're like an L.A. boy. I'm an L.A. boy. I've lived. I've lived other places, but uh, I uh, I moved back here when I was like 25. Okay. Okay. So you started in L.A. and then where did you go and how did you end up back in L.A.? Uh, I went to college in Vermont at a school called Bennington. Okay. And then um, after that, uh, was in L.A. for a year. Then moved back to New moved to New York for. Uh, um, for three years or so. And then I came back here when I was 24, 25. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I'm curious, I was talking to Christian about this earlier. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've watched a lot of your work grant and, um, maybe it would be just really interesting for me personally to walk me through like going from, uh, doing music videos for like Ariel Pink to like doing videos for uh, who went like Lord or Taylor Swift. How how did that? How, what was that journey like? Because what if what it feels like right now? Like if if I'm like uh, the perception like from the outside, like from my perspective, it's like if somebody wants like a massive music video, they're like, let's get Grant on the phone, <laughs> you know. So like, how do you? How did that happen? How did you go from from like? you know, doing, I would assume kind of like low budget little music videos to being like the dude. Well, first of all, I should say, I never wanted to direct music videos. It's something that I kind of like fell into because I wanted to make movies. Yeah. And, uh, it's like a great way to practice. I'm sure, you know, I, I'd say 90 something percent of music video directors really just want to make films and right. it's sort of like a way in. It's like, you can prove that you can direct and it's right. good practice and, uh, so I started directing music videos for friends of mine who were in bands, kind of like I'd say most people who start directing music videos. Like yeah. you meet someone and, you know, I was fortunate where a lot of my friends were um, musicians that I liked. And I went to film school so they knew that I could direct or at least that they knew I knew how, like, or sort of knew how to direct. At least. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
And then I just never stopped. It was sort of like it, 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 it you come, become competitive with yourself at it. You want to like get better and you want to do better things and cooler things. And when you direct, you know, most of the time, you're never fully happy. So you're, you're always like, oh, I could do that better. Next time I want to do that better. So it's like you're constantly trying to improve your craft. And um, what happened was uh, Ariel Pink was uh, Ariel Pink was a friend of mine, or he is a friend of mine. And he, uh, we've known each other for a while, and he had told me that he had a, an album coming out, and we discussed about making a trilogy of videos. And yeah. uh, we made those videos. Uh, it was a great experience. I felt like for the first time I was actually making something that I felt like I saw myself in the work. It wasn't just like, um, you know, when you direct things, sometimes you're, you're directing for other people. You don't really, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's anyway, it felt like our styles really meshed in a really beautiful way. And, um, I got in a call or an email. I can't remember from, uh, the weekend's creative director, Lamar, and yeah. he had seen Days and Daydreams, which was the final video that yeah. I did with Ariel, and he loved it. And he said, "Hey, man, we got a song called The Hills. Uh, we want you. We want to meet with you about directing the video." So I Crazy. went to uh, where they were rehearsing. I, I went to like an SUV. They pl- I met Abel, who's a great guy, and um, they played me the song twice. And they said, "You know, come up with a treatment," which I did, and then. Uh, we went back and forth on the idea, and then we were shooting the video a few weeks later. And then uh, that, I'd say the, the Hills was probably the video that was sort of the um, segued me into uh, doing bigger videos. That's nuts. I want to ask you, do you feel like you still um, have that passion for doing movies eventually, or is it something that you feel like music music videos have kind of replaced? No, absolutely. In fact, my, my passion for making movies is greater than ever. I think that, you know, you could become, uh, you can get comfortable directing music videos in terms of like, it's just like it becomes a day job like anything else. Um, and I think something that I've been focusing on now uh, more than ever is, um, yeah, I guess trying to segue into that and, and not get too complacent just doing what I'm doing. And Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I absolutely still have that passion for sure. Do you feel like you uh, kind of creatively get two different experiences that you feel like maybe a director still needs both sides of those things? I mean, you guys know making music videos is it's such a singular thing. It's it's I would argue, even though I've never made a movie before, I would argue that it's very different. Um, it's way yeah. you know, as a director, especially when you're working with big artists. Um, I mean, every every job is different, but you know. Uh, it's way more collaborative, I think, than um, like when you let's say you're directing a scene in a, in a short film or a film. Like, you can approach a scene any way. You could like, okay, we're gonna, put the, we're gonna start wide. We're gonna, you know, do a slow push in. We're gonna, you know, shoot this. We're gonna, you know, you can you can construct the scene any way you want. Whereas when you're making music videos, specifically for bigger artists, um, right. you have to understand that like you're, in many ways, you're you're creating a product. Uh, for a, a wide audience and you're trying to sell the, the artist or to sell the song or like you're trying to like right. capture the soul of an artist and that's very different than like capturing the essence of a scene you know what i'm mm. saying so yeah. it's like a completely right. different art form in my opinion like it's directing yes you're still directing but it's different do you feel like that 
um, pressure or that kind of, um, uh, yeah, pressure has kind of changed the creativity at some point? Hasn't changed the creativity. I mean, I, there was a point where I started doing bigger videos and the, the budgets got like exponentially bigger. And I remember that time being, uh, like, yeah, I felt the, I guess pressure is the right word, but I felt, um, like I needed to, to, to execute well or else like my career would suffer. You know what I mean? Like I felt like, Oh God, if if I fuck up, like, you know, I'm done stuff like that. Uh, I don't feel that anymore, but, um, I like that feeling. Like I love, I love, uh, Hmm. I love the feeling of, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's sort of, um, you feel, I guess, really alive. Like everything, you know, is on your shoulders. And, um, that's a feeling that I, I guess I've learned to really enjoy. Hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like that kind of, uh, maybe, um, is like a competitive side of you? Uh, if anything, it's competitive with myself. Like I, I, I'm not competitive with anyone else, but no, it's, it's more about like, I'm an ambitious person in terms of just like where I want to, you know, the things I want to achieve and the things I want to do for myself. And, um, there's a feeling that I, I don't like and feeling complacent and I don't like to feel like I'm just like, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. I think like doing bigger videos and doing big, trying new things and getting better. Like those are, those are qualities that, um, that I, I have in myself that I like. And, um, I'm always trying to like, challenge myself, I think. And, um, you know, yeah, I guess that, that, that's something that I've been doing. Grant, I want to, I'm curious, uh, with as many music videos as you've made, do you even know like how many, if you, if I ask you off the top of your head, I'm saying around 50, but like a lot of the, vi- <laughs> a lot of videos I've, I've buried, like I, 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 yeah. you know, I mean, I'm with the internet. There's only so much you can hide from, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Can you tell us about one that you buried? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I did, well, you know what's funny is that, like, I'll tell you something that when you start, so when people start to want to work with you, it's really easy to uh, fall in that trap of, like, oh, just because you like a certain style of music or you want to make a, you want to make a certain video for that artist or you want to work with them. But uh, usually I have found that if, my first instinct is to not do it. I should always listen to that because mm-hmm. you end up getting yourself in a situation where six months and you're going back and forth and you kind of already agreed to do it. And now you're so far down the line that if you pull out, you'd be, you know, viewed as like a prick. So you yeah. end up doing it and it ends up never being good. Uh, so I try and only do things that I really want to do. If I feel like I'm kind of forced to because other people want me to do it, it's, it's usually like a sign that I shouldn't be doing it. What about um, like in the the writing process? Um, like you want to do it, but you feel like I actually have nothing for this. I mean, to be honest, I now more than ever, I feel like like I don't want to I don't want to make the videos that I've made over again. People kind of they sometimes they hit you up. They like you know they want you to do something that you've already done. Yeah. And I don't have as many ideas that I used to have. And that's just me being completely transparent. I don't yeah. have as many good ideas that I, like I used to be filled with ideas. Um, and I still do. And I, sometimes I revisit old ideas, but I, um, 
yeah, if, if I don't have an idea, I'm not going to do it, you know? Yeah. What is the writing process like for you? Um, for a music video, usually, you know, I get the song and I listen to it. And if I have an idea right away, I write it. Um, my treatments are pretty minimal. Like sometimes I, 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 for a while I stopped even doing treatments. I just sort of like wrote them in like word docs and I would send them. And, um, but I have a guy, I, one of my best friends, his name's Patrick Sandberg. He lives in New York. He's the editor for Dazed and, um, a few other magazines and he and I have been collaborating. So sometimes, uh, I'll say, Hey, this artist wants me to do a video for this song. What do you think? And he'd be like, he'd come up with an idea and then we'd flesh it out together and then I'll write yeah. it. So sometimes I, I, I come up with ideas with friends. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm at a loss, you know, it's sometimes it, it really depends. I'm either filled with ideas or I'm, you know, I have a dry spell. I hear you. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I feel like at least for me, like sitting in like a dark room trying to like force something out of my brain is like counterproductive yeah. <laughs> and inviting people in. Um, it's weird. Cause you know, I, I don't know if you feel this way. Maybe you did at some point. Um, there's a part of me that's like, I want to freaking come up with the idea, you know, like I want to like do this from front to back. I want to be responsible for it. But, um, yeah, I feel like the more I let other people in and, and I'm able to kind of like bounce back and forth ideas just kind of like, are like generate. Do you Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that, I mean, if, if I could think about anything that I've learned over the past few years, it's just, um, it's like this idea of collaboration. Like I, I have to collaborate all the time, even with artists who necessarily don't have great ideas, yeah. but you know, you're forced to, to be receptive and a good listener. And it's actually been, it's been great because, um, it's made me more open-minded, you know, like you're, yeah. well, the thing about music videos is that you're happy, you have every couple of weeks, you're in a, you're doing a new project and you're, you have to, you're forced to work with people that are culturally and, you know, psychologically very approaching is very different than you. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great learning experience, you know, just to, to work with other people and, and, um, try and make the best thing, you know? And after the break, we'll hear more from Grant about living your life and unlearning everything you were taught in film school. This musical break is brought to you by our friends at Musicbed. Musicbed's community doesn't stop at music licensing. Through in-depth interviews, features, and short films, their blog is built for filmmakers at every level of their career. It's a great place to find inspiration and learn from some of the most influential names in the film industry, including interviews with National Geographic's Andy Baker and Carl Sprague, who designed some of Wes Anderson's most iconic set pieces. You can also watch live sessions with Musicbed artists filmed in their studio and short films featuring innovative artists and creatives. Check out the blog at blog.musicbed.com. As always, Musicbed is offering 20% off your next music license. Just enter promo code GOOD at checkout. For more than a decade, Kessler Crane has been designing and manufacturing innovative tools for filmmakers, including camera cranes, jibs, motion control systems, sliders, dollies, tripods, and other camera accessories. They also have a commitment to making products in the USA. 
For more info, go to kesslercrane.com slash good. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E dot com slash good. Also enter the code good podcast during checkout. Save 10% off your entire order. Now let's get back to the show. Tell me about, um, you know, you're like, you know, one personality. You are like Grant Singer, but you're working with these massive personalities and, and, uh, I guess, how do you, how do you navigate going from one project to the next, knowing how to like communicate with Lord versus communicating with, uh, Vic Mensa or what, you know, like, how do you, how do you do that? Um, well, firstly, I, one of the reasons why I think I've continued to get work is that I, I don't kiss people's ass. Like I'm very much. I'm not a dick. I'm not like, I'm not pretentious. I'm, I'm very just myself. And, um, but I, I don't try and, uh, I'm not a, I don't try and become a chameleon depending on who I'm working with. And like, I'm not overly complimentary. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty genuine and sincere as a person. So I don't, I think one of the reasons why I work is because I think that they see that I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. I, I think artists in general are very uh, sensitive to people kissing their ass. And I think that they actually like when people don't. And I think that they find that because they just want to be normal people, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think to answer your question, I don't change. I, I'm usually just like I listen. Um, mm. I think that that's something that maybe not everyone does. Um, and I think I'm honest. And I think that the people like that, you know? Um, if someone has a bad idea, I'm not going to say, yo, your idea sucks. I'm just like, uh, I'm not really sure about that. And whereas I think a lot of other directors might just do anything to get the job that they'll say yes. And then it ends up, you know, being a disaster or whatever. Have you ever had a situation where, um, the trust wasn't there? Oh yeah. And then how'd you kind of navigate that? Um, without naming names, I've had, I've had a few horrible experiences, but, uh, they usually have to do with dealing with people who are like mentally unwell. Um, and you know, you just have to stay calm and and not overreact. I think that, you know, uh, you, you have to almost, you can't take anything personally. And that's something that I've learned. Like even, even if something goes great, like it's not just because of me, it's because I have a great cinematographer, a great production designer, great producers. Like you can't take credit for even the, when things go super well, it's usually, you know, it's, it's, you know, production, it's like, it's a fucking group effort. Yes. The director gets the most credit because then, you know, he's the captain of the ship or she is. But I think that, uh, when things don't go well, you have to just kind of not, uh, you can't take it personally. You, like you might be getting screamed at and you just have to, I mean, almost like in a meditative way, sort of just zen out and not really, uh, Mm -hmm. take things personally. Uh, I have found that the, usually the more successful the artist, the cooler they are. Like I mm-hmm. found, uh, and mm-hmm. like not as de- like not demanding, like they're very, they're more, the, the bigger the artist, usually the more easygoing they are in terms of everything at the, from the conception to execution. Mm-hmm. Like they're really, and, and that's, I think a, a misconception. I think it's interesting. People may have, what do you yeah. think that, what do you think that is? I think because they know who they are, they have a sort of a strong identity and they, they're, they're, uh, they know the business. Like, listen, if you're, let's say Ariana Grande, for example, 
who's awesome, uh, you have tens of people who work for you, whether through the label side or, you know, through management, who sacrifice their lives in order to, you know, work for your you and your brand and your you as an artist. Like people aren't going to do that unless you're grateful and cool and you know yeah. collaborative. And I think that you know the music industry is a business, and I think that the people who are at the top understand that you have to be cool, or else people people aren't going to want to work with you or work for you. And so I've I found that the the, the really successful artists are are typically the ones who um, are really easy to collaborate with. They just get it, you know. They're really. Um, they're just cool. Grant, when you're on set, we ask this to most uh, most of our guests, but um, what's like your biggest pet peeve on set? People on their phones or just not doing yes. their job. You know, <laughs> I, I, I am really passionate. And people always say uh, that I'm very enthusiastic on set. Like I don't, I don't sit down. I don't sit down during lunch. Like I'm – I don't take lunch. I'm just always working. Like during lunch, I'm like, you know, with meeting with the AD or whatever, talking about like what we, how we should approach the next shot. I really respond to people who have a similar work ethic, who like, you know, always standing up, always working, having a good attitude. Um, I also don't work with assholes. And uh, even like great DPs, I prefer to work with the, you know, DPs who, who have a good attitude, who, who aren't dismissive of people who don't talk down to their crew. Uh, so anyone who's a dick, that's a, that's a, that's a pet peeve. And then people who are on their phones and, um, just not working. Like, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Like you want people who are equally as passionate, um, Mm -hmm. as you are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you have like, uh, uh, like code of ethics kind of, you know, like when you're on set, like what's, what is important to you to kind of like generate, uh, like the vibe on set? I mean, I think it all starts with you, meaning like, or or the the you know your 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 keys, like like I think that if you had you need to have a great some a, a great DP, not just visually, but someone who who has yeah. a good attitude, yeah. a great production designer. Like if there's one missing piece, I've had I've had those jobs where like I have a great DP, but the production designer sucks, yeah, and it just like it you know if there's one bad egg, everything gets fucked. So. Uh, I mean, there's no code of ethics. It's more about just like it's really important to me to work with. Like everybody has to be great from the AD to, you know, yeah. the wardrobe to everybody. You know, yeah. you have to have a good attitude. Do you found, Do you think that you've uh, kind of found your close niche of people that you continue to work with or you kind of flow in getting, uh, meeting new people and stuff? Absolutely. No, I have like my main guys that I like to work with, but I – I also am, am interested in progressing as a director and getting better. And I think that working with different cinematographers and um, designers and, you know, I think they, it allows you to learn new things and, and um, approach things in a different way that even if it, even if it ends up not being something that you are particularly good at, at least it opens your mind. So I do have like you know, the, the same people that I work with, but um, I always like to kind of introduce one or new, two new people, um, really just to get better, you know, and, yeah. and learn. And at the end of the day, it's like, you should be learning. And I still use music videos as like, uh, a format where I can just experiment. What's like the, um, 
like most challenging part of the process for you? Like maybe it doesn't come as naturally to you. Um, what is challenging? Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's really a challenging part of the process. I mean, um, the whole thing. I think, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm very technical. So like uh, the, the, the actual construction of, of shots is yeah. my favorite part. Uh, uh, production is my favorite part. So, yeah. you, you know, just shooting is my favorite part, but, uh, I don't know. I think, uh, listen, I think that I'm sure even with your guys and your work, like if you can get to know the artist ahead of time yeah. and like hang out and, and have a, have a, a correspondence and just like relate as humans that automatically uh, makes the project exponentially better. I think all the best videos I've directed were when I could get to know the artist ahead of time because yeah. you just have a, a, you know, a mutual understanding of like the approach. Whereas like if you've never met an artist and then they show up to set and you're like, you, you have to like get a performance out of them. That's usually tough. Yeah. Yeah. How, how often are you able to, um, to do that? Like kind of during the, the treatment process, like kind of like pick their brain as you're kind of developing. Well, I typically don't like now, if I do a music video, I usually, it's, uh, it's usually either an artist contacting me directly or, um, we like, meet in person first or, uh, have a call. Like I don't, I don't really ever just write treatments anymore unless it's like an artist I'm obsessed with. Uh, even then I I can't remember the last time I've just wrote a a treatment without talking to the artist first. Okay. But maybe earlier on, how did you see, like, what was, what did you find to be more successful? Well, it's, I think if you, I find, uh, yeah, speaking to the artist first to be more successful. Uh, even earlier on when I was doing smaller videos, you have to understand, like, Ariel is one of my best friends. So, yeah, yeah. like, I remember him playing me the album in my car, and I told him I was obsessed with masking culture. And he's like, oh, I fucking love that. And then I said, I always mm-hmm. want to do this masking music video. It's about, like, the thing about masking, which is really cool, is that you, by, uh, like, hiding your identity and by being sort of invisible, you actually can be your true self because there's no fear of, uh, of, of someone else's perception of you. And we like love this idea. We could riff on that in person. Then we can make a video that was like conceptually very sound. So I think that even in the early process, like I've always found that if you make a, a video without speaking to the artist, usually it, it doesn't go as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm curious, uh, if there's one thing that you could like go back and, and like change about like one of your music video, does this, this things like haunt you about work that you do? Do you feel pleased, you know, like when you finish something or are you kind of haunted by what it could have been? Uh, it's both. I mean, listen, if I find a video not to be cringeworthy, I know it's successful, you know, cause I'm very critical of the, like there are videos that I, I like, you'd have to, you know, clockwork orange my eyes to get me to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really uh, critical of myself. Uh, so if I can watch a video over and over again and be like, oh, that's pretty good, then I know that, I, you know, I, I, I did a good job. But absolutely, I'm, I'm, I, you know, there are a million things I wish I could have done over and over again. Um, but again, it's like it's a learning experience. That's like, I used to feel like I really want to make a movie by the time I was 30. 
because I love yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson and David Fincher is my favorite living director. And I really wanted to make a, a film by, before I was 30. And now I'm so glad that I had it because uh, I don't think it would have been as good had I not had this experience just making music yeah. videos and, and basically mm-hmm. learning what, what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, I also think that like humor is very important to me. I'm like, as a person, I'm, I'm pretty lighthearted and uh, I'm not so serious. And I think that uh, when you're younger, you, you can become a little bit more pretentious or um, yeah. overly, you, you like work that's overly serious. Whereas now I like things that um, ha- have a little bit of uh, humor in them at the, or, or even silliness. They don't take themselves too seriously. And I think that, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that's something that's important to me. Have you seen yeah. uh, your work kind of like reflect maybe you just like growing up and maturing as a person? Have you seen that kind of like uh, work its way into this, the work that you, that you do? I mean, I think, I think my work is probably, it's more technically uh, like efficient than it, it yeah. was, but uh, psycholo- like, like psychologically, I think, uh, listen, you're making a music video. I mean, that's the thing is like, even if you, we were talking about having ideas, like if you have great ideas, you have great ideas, but they're, they're never going to be right for um, a huge artist because that's, it'd be a disservice to their brand. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, at the end of the day, you, you know, big artists want performance videos. You're never yeah. going to make like, uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can use your imagination. You're never going to make something that's like insanely transgressive and uh, right. mind blowing for, a huge pop star because it would be a disservice to um, their image. But I think that like one of the reasons why I like working with Skrillex is because his music is so insane. The visuals need to be equally as insane. So it basically lets you do whatever the fuck you want, you know? Yeah. Um, But you know, Skrillex is a rare artist. Like you have to, you know, who are those artists that have the kind of money who has that sort of similar music video aesthetic? It's very few. Right. I uh, I just watched uh, I'd never seen it before, but I just watched Red Lips for the first time today. <laughs> That's pretty nuts. How did you explain that to uh, to Sonny when you were like telling him what you're well, going to do? So what happened was I wrote an idea that was similar to that. Well, Sonny sent me this song and he said, "Hey, I want you to do a video for this song." And I was like, "Oh, I fucking love it. It's amazing." I came with an idea, um, and then he called me. And said, hey, uh, I have this idea for an opening shot, which was the opening shot of the video where the camera does this sort of 360 and the girl yeah. rises. Uh, and then we kind of, uh, we altered my concept to kind of fit in his ideas. Sure. And then um, and then he went to like China for a while or he was on tour and uh, Apple, it was a, we did it with Apple Music and uh, they agreed to pay for it. And then... Um, yeah, it just it, it happened pretty quickly, um, but you know, Sonny wants he wants it to be as headless and as insane as possible. So <laughs> headless he, you know, is the best adjective for. That. I mean, that, yeah, that video is actually headless. Yeah, I know that. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of that video is when the baby gets birthed out of the dude's neck. 
and you know we actually shot that um but again that's that's like everybody that's, that's listening to this is like googling it right now well, you know what's funny? that's way more my per- that's like way more my aesthetic than like something that's like overly serious and dramatic yeah. like i yeah. uh so uh that was shot that was all in camera that effect was all in camera that's we just nuts. used um we shot a plate of the of the dude like sort of convulsing, yeah. and then we uh, went on a longer lens with the diopter and shot the baby with the same, never moving the camera. We just composited those two frames together. I love doing stuff like that. I love doing I love doing things in camera and yeah, um, yeah, stuff like that's fun. I just wanted to ask, kind of on that same note, uh, how, just to get another story. Like, how, can you tell me the story of how you guys casted the uh, Ariel Pink Daydreams video? Absolutely. So, uh, when I first started making music videos, I was making music videos for my friends in a band called Start, and they lived at the Gaylord apartment building in Koreatown. I'm not sure if you guys have been, but it's this old building. I think Marilyn Monroe used to live there, and uh, it's not as nice as it probably was in the 50s. But uh, he walks in the elevator as I was shooting a scene <laughs> with the girl from the band, and I remember I'm, I'm at the time, you know. I was my own, you know, producer, DP, editor, everything. I was, yeah. it was a one-man show. And I was operating the camera and he enters the elevator and I, and I, I, I glanced at him and looked at the, you know, my friend Liza who I was filming. I, I, and I looked back at him and I couldn't look away because I, I was so struck by his <laughs> presence. He looked so cool and I'd never seen anyone look like that in person. That, that close, at least that proximity to me. And yeah. he left the elevator and Liza said, oh, that's... I asked who it was, and she said, oh, that's this guy, Rick. He's this old punk rocker. He lives in the building. And I try to get in contact with him, and then he, I found out that he uh, – I went to the Gaylord, and they told me that he no longer lived there. And for three or four years, I tried – maybe three <laughs> years, I tried to get in contact with him. And then Don Bowles, who's the drummer of the Germs, who was a drummer of Ariel's band. Well, I asked Ariel – I told Ariel that when I pitched him this idea for Days and Daydreams, I said, I really want this guy – to star in it. And it would be blasphemous to cast anyone else. Like it's based on him. <laughs> I want to I make a, a music video about like an aging rock star or an aging punk rocker who lives this very bleak life in, you know, Bakersfield, but has never given up the desire to rock. Cause I think about like friends of ours or our generation, how a lot of them have like very specific lifestyles. They've got, a, they're so in their world. Yeah. Uh, let's say the punk world, but that doesn't go away. Like when you age, you don't, become a different person you just like your body changes and i yeah. think it's really one of the reasons why i like living in la is i like to drive down highland and see you know 67 year old dudes with green hair and <laughs> they haven't given up their desire to rock they just look old and i think that's really awesome anyway yeah. so don bowles gave me his number and he was he lives in uh like long beach or uh san pedro he lives in san pedro and he wanted to, we met at a Denny's in Hollywood and I, I convinced him, I bought him breakfast at like 5 PM and I convinced him to, uh, to do this thing that I directed that, you know, the days and dangerous video. And he was really stoked. And, um, I was, I was persistent and, you know, he did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing how like the same reaction that you had in the elevator, just like not being able to keep your eyes off of him is the same exact, like, uh, way that the music video is kind of perceived, you know, like to, at least to me, maybe not to everybody, but you're like, for some, I just could not turn it off just because 
and the the filming of it like the idea of it is so subtle but like you just cannot stop watching this person you know what i mean i think it was like really interesting uh you know time that that into it like hearing that intuition from you is actually just like extremely uh, interesting I, I wanted to know like have you ever had maybe another situation like that that was um just purely intuitive like you had something to, you know like you had to just continue through with an idea because you just had to see it through with the music yeah. video i mean i think yeah i think going on what you said casting is is everything like yeah casting is like in my opinion the probably the, the most important yet the most neglected or commonly yeah. neglected part of the process so um I was going to, I pitched that idea for Future Islands like a long time ago, even like two years before I, sh- I mean, a year before I shot Days and Daydreams video. Um, but I think that I wasn't going to make that video unless it starred Rick. Like that was, that was always yeah. the case. And then there's this, uh, a girl named Autumn who I, I met uh, about a year ago, maybe more. And similar thing, I saw her and I was like so, uh, transfixed by her appearance and I went up to her and she's like oh I want to be a director like I know who you are and um uh I was like great well I also want to cast you in something so I I I cast her in this video I did for uh Sam actually from Future Islands and Clams Casino and Mm. I just loved her look I think she's so she's so magnetic and she's got um she's got sort of this Shelley Duvall quality that I really like uh Hmm. she's gorgeous and but also she's just like a really phenomenal person i think it like it emanates from her appearance is your brain just uh do you feel like you're current like always on the prowl like looking for locations or or uh people is that are you just always engaged in that way uh sometimes i try not to be in fact like one of the things that i've been doing for the last few months is i i just want to enjoy my life like you know you work really hard yeah and you kind of you lose sight of the fact like why you're doing this in the first place, which is really just to be content. And uh, yeah. the last few months, I've been really just trying to not be nostalgic for like let's say the good times. Like I remember 2012 was like the best year, uh, just my friends and my life, and I was having so much fun, and I felt like I was really living my life to the fullest and uh, I don't want to be nostalgic anymore. I want to actually just be in the present and enjoy this moment. So no, I I try not to think about, listen, those things are inevitable. Like you're going to walk in a room and be like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. But uh, no, I I try not to. I'm I'm really actively trying to just um, enjoy my life at this point. That's interesting. You know, you might hear someone else, you know, in a similar position as you, yeah, the talk and it's it's kind of like um, there. It's an all-consuming existence, you know. That it's like uh, their life is their art, and their art is their is their is their life. Um, so that's interesting. You know, I don't I don't know if I expected you to say that, but that's that's an interesting perspective. Do you do you feel like you have been in a place like you've you've seen like the ugly side of of the uh, working your ass off? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the last three years of my life, like from 2014 to, to the end of 2016, I I didn't have a life. Like my life was my job. So, you know, like you're, you're back in L.A. for a week and then you have to travel and you're gone. You're here. And then even when you are here, you're like 
you're working the whole time. And when you do have any time off, you're just like lying in bed because you, your body collapses. Like you, you don't want to speak. You don't want to see friends. You don't want to do anything. You just want to, uh, relax. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely did have a, a time where I was, you know, completely consumed by my, my career, my job, but like, that's not healthy. Like I, I had to realize I, at one point I just said, I want to, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. Not that I'm partying or anything, but that I'm like even playing tennis. Like that's something I would have never done a year ago, but I'm making mm. a point to do it because I'm, I'm, I want to be like here in the present, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, speaking to your process a little bit, I'm curious, this is something that keeps coming up. We, uh, we had, um, Emily Kaibach on uh, a couple weeks ago and, uh, she kind of is on like one spectrum of like, uh, I guess like preparation, you know, like going into to a production, like, um, where do you fall like with everything being like, uh, cross the T's dot the I's like everything is like completely planned. And then like everything is like, uh, intuitive. Like, where do you think you fall on that spectrum as a, as it pertains to preparation? Uh, well, for me, everything is intuitive, meaning like I, I, I do shotlets, but I, um, I see the whole thing prior to even shooting it. And I see it edited together, like shot for shot. Like I'm very specific where I'll be like, you know, from 36 seconds to 38 seconds, this is a profile shot, slow push in, you know, whatever. And then from that, and then we cut to this. So everything's already edited prior to shooting it for me. Um, so then when I go and shoot something, I'm just shooting exactly what I've envisioned. So yeah. if that makes any sense. So I'm, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. So I don't, uh, yeah, but sometimes I'll be like, Oh, that's really cool. You know, in the moment, like let's, you know, that's not something I, I thought of, but let's try that. But that's, uh, maybe 2% of the time. Everything usually is very methodically laid out prior to shooting. Do you me. feel like that's kind of, um, like essential if you're working with massive budgets and <clears throat> massive artists? To no. make people feel good, you know what I mean, like like uh, in like uh, good hands or something. Well, I think the, I think there are a few really significant attributes of being a director. One is which one is that you need to always be in control. So if you don't know what you're doing, or if you don't know what the next two hours are going to be like, and everyone's there's hundreds of people on set and they're waiting for you to tell them what to do, and you don't know what to do, yeah. you kind of look like a douchebag. And you're wasting people's <laughs> yeah. time and money. And I think that that's not responsible. So yeah. uh, I think, yeah, when you, yeah, when you, when you shoot, you, you, at least I can't tell, I can't say what other people should do, but I always know what I'm, what I'm going to do. Uh, I might, you know, have questions as about like, oh, how should we approach this shot? You know, I was envisioning this, but, oh, this is a better backdrop. Like, what if we do this, you know, but no, typically, uh, yeah, I think it'd be irresponsible to to not know what I was going to do. Yeah. Knowing that, that much information um, in your head beforehand, how do you kind of let um, your team in on, I guess, the the fun of it? You know? I mean, the fun is really the execution. If you can execute something well, that's fun. I mean, listen, I – yeah, I'm sure there are DPs that probably don't like working with me because they don't have as much creative freedom – how do I, like sometimes they'll suggest, oh, why don't we try this? And I'm like, oh, that's a better idea. Yeah, let's do that. But generally, um, I just on the tech scout, I tell them, this is the shot. You know, the camera does this, this is with this. And then they 
they talk to their keys, they tell them how they're going to light it, and then we move on. So it's not that it's it's not fun. The fun is 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 making something good, and I think that if you make something good, and that's fun. It, it's when something's not working out, that's when it becomes not fun. If if a shot doesn't look good, or if it's if it just you could tell. I mean, it, everybody can tell uh, when something's not right, you know. So. Um, but again, it's not – listen, it should be fun. But at the end of the day, I'm not there to have fun. I'm there to make something good, you know. So yeah. I typically have a really good attitude. But it's not, you know, it's not like film you – know, listen, there's all different types of filmmaking. Usually I have one day to shoot something. Like like one – like, and, you know, excluding glam and hair and makeup. You're given like, you know, you've got eight – you've got 12 hours to shoot something that sh- that – a normal person would shoot over the course of three or four days. So you have to be really, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and that's one of the things that, you know, that it's, t- I've just, I've learned to be really uh, good at managing time. Like I'm very quick. And I think that not that I all, you know, I'm not saying I always was, but you have to learn how to be very quick to get what you want with, you know, only a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grant, what would you, uh, what would you say to, uh, a young aspiring director who's who's looking to like be in the space that you're in, and it just seems like this massive like gap between where they are and, and uh, where they perceive you to be. Uh, well, how do you encourage someone like that? Well, first of all, like I, I went to film school, and I I always tell people don't go to film school. Not that I think it's bad, but I had to unlearn everything I learned in film school. Because I'm not sure if you guys went to film school, but. They, they teach you sort of right ways and wrong ways how to approach situations. The great part about film school is you just watch a lot of movies, which I think is important. Like if you want to be a writer, you have to read. If you want to direct, right. you have to watch yeah. a lot of film. But uh, first and foremost, live your life. And I think that that's like something I wish my teachers or professors yeah. would tell you. They tell you, you know, you know, after film school, you know, go get an internship. And that's like the worst thing you can do. I think the best thing you can do is like move to New York or move to a city and like experience heartbreak and grief and pain and love and euphoria right. and all these different things. Because I don't know how you can make anything that's true and honest unless you've experienced life. And I think that that's really important is to be a well-versed human being first yeah. and foremost. Wow. Yeah. Once you've experienced life, the best thing to do would it be a either work for a director and sort of learn the process or just continue to make things like just start making things really small, you know, and don't put them online unless they're pretty good. Like I think that one of the things that we talked about earlier, which is like having to hide things that you've done when you're starting out, not everything's going to be great. So, but again, it's important to make things that aren't great because you learn, like you make mistakes and you learn. So it's important just to continue making things. But uh, yeah, just continue doing it. And like, listen, if you make something that's so unbelievably good, even if it costs like $5,000, $10,000, and it's really simple, but it's so powerful, people will see it. I get sent things all the time, like, uh, and I'll pass it on to my producers. I'm like, oh, check this out. Like, this is some, you know, insane thing from like, you know, Mo- I saw this, you know, a director in Moscow and it sent to me and I loved it and I passed it along to people that I knew because I was so, you know, I was so impressed. I think that if you just make something that's good, it'll get seen by people, but it has to be genuinely good. Like, uh, you know, I I think hopefully my story with the Ariel Days and Daydreams video is encouraging. Like I made a a pretty small $20,000 video that 
the weekend had seen, you know, or his creative director had seen, and they were like, oh, right. we want to get this guy. Usually, and I know that that still happens because I'm not going to mention names, but I, uh, someone sent me this thing that was really cool and very small, and I'm sure that that director is going to do something, you know, big and prominent next. And I, I think that, like, you just got to make things that are good. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, that's really all you need to do. And also, I think, find your style. Like, I think that uh, I'm really into, I have a more formal aesthetic. Like, I'm, as opposed to very natural, I'm not a naturalistic director whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and, but at the same time, naturalism is really in vogue right now. Everybody wants to be a photographer and make these very naturalistic, uh, sort of pretty things. Um, I would encourage directors to not go that route because there's so many directors who do that. Like, I think it's important to like separate yourself and separate your aesthetic from what everyone else is doing. That's really, I think the best advice I could give someone is to not do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. That's great. Um, Christian, you got any other parting questions for Mr. Singer? Uh, no, man. Just uh, maybe one day we'll play tennis and uh, hang out. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, let me know when you guys are in LA. Doubles. We'll, uh, we'll play doubles. <laughs> uh, dude, oh, thanks so much for. Uh, yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> we'll need it. You've got all the practice grants, so we'll take you on uh, two versus one, if that's okay. Sounds good, man. Okay. Thanks, Sounds Grant. Good. We'll chat soon. Right, thank you, guys. Take care. This episode of Good was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to call him, Christian number two. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs, and you can check out more of his music at cubbysounds.com. Also, this season of Good is produced by our new friend, Mary Taylor, who'd also like to say something. Who needs Cubby when you've got me? To find out more info about today's episode, make sure to go to goodthepodcast.com. 